Greetings! Here is our podcast for this week of May 8th. Wow, May 8th. We are almost done. We have one more week to go. And that's it. And actually, we are talking about um, the last week of the last last week, the last book of the Bible this week, and that is Revelation. Really quickly, though, I do want to say because I did not get a chance to get a um, uh, a podcast out for last week, I did want to just make a couple of comments about the 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 readings that we had from last week, which included uh, the books like uh, Hebrews and James and the the ones from Peter and from John and Jude. and um, Okay, so I just want to, because I'm trying to set this up because it's helpful for when we talk about Revelation too, um, you have to think about the church is, is not like it is now, right? So we're all sort of interconnected a whole lot more if uh, for example, if I need to know what's going on in another church, let's say um, there's a church called Christ the King Lutheran in Universal City, I-, I can just go over there and talk to them about that, or I can call them or anything like that. Um, and there's no and there's no worry that goes along with it, right? Uh, in in this early church time, remember we're dealing with a lot of persecution. We're dealing with a lot of people being killed uh, or or uh, being thrown in jail for what they believe in. And so, people uh, the the churches, which are are kind of smaller groups of people who who live in who um, meet in homes and that's how they worship. Um, a lot of them, there's sort of this threat against them constantly that they are trying to deal with and face. And so they kind of live, they're a little isolated from one another, which is why you get these slightly different books. I mean, they're all pointing to Jesus, but uh, they lift up certain things depending on where they are. So, for example, the book of Hebrews really is is a, a great collection of of arguments for why uh, what what God has done in Jesus Christ is more important and more powerful and more incredible than say some of the other things that he's done. So through Moses or or through uh, or with angels or with I mean it kind of goes through all of these different kinds of things, and ultimately lifting lifting up the the importance of faith in that. With and, and I think I may have mentioned this. My favorite verse, one of my favorite verses, and frankly, um, the verse that got me thinking about becoming part of the church when I had kind of fallen away from it is uh, Hebrews 11.1, which is, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It deals with the things that we hope for, that we don't see, that we that we have to sort of rely on something else um, outside of ourselves. And that's where faith and trust really kind of kick in. So, but each of these groups is kind of a part of that. Now, um, specifically, there's the ones for first, second, and third John, who is kind of connected to the Gospel of John. There's some very, they're very similar in a lot of ways. There's some similar language. But, uh, supposedly, the same writer of... Um, I'm sorry, John, who is the same writer as the other letters, is also the one who has written Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation. And the important thing to remember is that, uh, two things, it is a revelation, not a revelations, right? So there's no plural there, it's just one thing, it's just the revelation. And very specifically, it's of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ is going to do. Now I'm going to be totally honest with you, Revelation um, might be... Uh, I'm trying to think real quickly. Might be one of the most misunderstood books of the Bible. Um, for some reason, um, we have kind of treated it like it's this um, 
this hidden message book that has a lot of secret things going on in it. But it's actually written in a particular style, and, and intentionally so. So it's called apocalyptic literature, which, again, when we talk about apocalypse, we usually think of sort of the end of the world and things like that. Um, it depicts that, but it, it, it's very specifically written by and for people who are under... Um, incredible persecution. So, for example, the other examples I would give of this are like uh, the book of Daniel, the last half of that, Ezekiel. Um, there's some other spaces kind of in between where uh, people are, are living under this, and so they have these these sort of crazy visions, and so you have uh, monsters coming out of the sea, and you have, uh, um, in, in the book of Revelation, you have uh, trumpets being blown, and they sort of represent certain things, and seals on a scroll, and that's, this is seals like the things that uh, close up letters, right? Um, you have all of these different kind of things, and they represent something else. But to be honest, if you are living under persecution, um, it's sort of a a hidden language, right? Um, so that if, say, uh, the, the best example I can think of to this is, imagine somebody is reading, they have the book of the this letter, of this book of Revelation in their home, and a Roman soldier comes crashing in uh, to arrest this family. They're going to look at this book and they're going to go, I have no earthly idea what they are talking about. Uh, this doesn't make any sense. There's all these crazy beasts. It sounds like some kind of crazy fictionalized thing. <clears throat> but it meant something to those people who are reading it. Um, and it's actually addressed, uh, very specifically, the book of Revelation is addressed to seven churches um, who are kind of all over um, what is now Turkey, or Asia Minor is what it's called then. But so it's for these seven churches, and, and it's in a time, it's, it's thought to be written in a time, time under a certain Caesar, one that we don't talk about very much, called Domitian. And Domitian is, um, frankly, one of the worst when it comes to persecuting Christians. He uh, crucifies a whole lot of them. I mean, it's really a terrible time. And the book of Revelation is ultimately supposed to be a message of hope, that essentially the power of God is more powerful than all of these forces, than, than any human empire, certainly, but even the sort of um, dark spiritual forces that may be at work, that this is God saying, this is... Um, uh, uh, I am more powerful than this. And what's amazing is, as you kind of go through, and, and it's important to know, um, the book of Revelation is written for these particular, these seven churches, and there's a little note at the beginning where it actually goes through and says, um, look, here are the things that you're doing well, here are the things that you need to work on. So obviously the writer, John, knows what's going on in these churches and is trying to kind of help them out. And so, um, you know, we'll say things like, uh, don't be afraid, don't be apathetic, don't, don't fall in line with all the rest of the stuff that's going on in the Roman Empire. Trying to sort of help these people sort of live out their faith in the midst of a very, very difficult time. Um, and so it goes through all of these kinds of crazy visions, and, um, and, and there's a part of me that has kind of said, I'm not sure how much we really want to get into this, because honestly, it is a very complicated book. I think what we're going to do actually uh, for our class is actually watch a little video and just kind of talk through it a little bit. But um, it, just know that all of it is sort of representative of other things. But what, what is at the center of it, though, is that the most powerful thing in the book of Revelation, the thing that conquers everything, death and all of that, is the slain Lamb of God, who we know as Jesus Christ. That, that strangely, the thing that looks the least powerful, a sacrificed lamb, 
is the thing that ultimately uh, changes the entire world and brings everything anew again, calls people to repent, um, uh, 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 forgives and and saves those uh, who have turned towards something good. And, and especially for people who are being uh, persecuted, who... Um, who feel like every knock at the door might be somebody coming in to kill them. There is something about hope there. It's, it's hope in something that doesn't look like everything else. And, and it sort of culminates with this very last chapter, the couple of last chapters of Revelation, which, <coughs> excuse me, uh, let me take a sip of my coffee while I'm sitting here talking. Yeah, that's a good podcast. All right, um, uh, and it ends in these verses that sort of describe that that the slain lamb. And this is a good this is a good thing about what is it that is coming at the end of time, right? And so um, Revelation gives this uh, vision of what the kingdom of God looks like, and it is heaven and earth sort of coming together. That God lives among all people. Uh, the way that it works. Uh, here, I'll read. This is Revelation twenty-one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away way. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of life. Now, it's a reminder that God is ultimately, again, Alpha and Omega are like A to Z, right? From the beginning to the end, God is there. God is the beginning. God is the end. And God will be with them and will give them a world in which God is right alongside you. God is going to wipe the tears from your eyes. Death is going to be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Um, And so this entire book with all of its complicated imagery ultimately comes down to this is the vision of what God has for the world. Um, it is a place where God lives, where there is water in abundance, where there is hope and there is um, no pain and no uh, uh, crying and no death, ultimately. That God has destroyed all of those things that hurt us. So here is what um, I want us to talk about. We're going to talk a, lot, a little bit more about the details of what's going on in Revelation when we get together uh, on Wednesday. But what I want us to do, what I want you to do is think about ahead of time, is I want you to think about what is one thing you can say about God? What's one thing that you believe about God? This is kind of your question. What is something you believe about God that, um, that you think is important about who God is? Okay, and I need you to have that for tonight. That's going to be important because we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about what those what those declarations. Because essentially, what I'm asking you to do is to make just to declare a part of your faith. What is something important about who God is, and then um, what does it mean to be sort of part of a church that uh, that follows that and has to face consequences when it comes to those uh, declarations of our faith? Okay, all right. I think that'll do it. Um, we will meet up tonight. Uh, looking forward to it. Bye.